Welcome back to Episcopal Priest Explains. I'm Kyle Martindale, your resident Episcopal priest, and today we are concluding our conversation about multicultural ministries and studies in the Episcopal Church, its importance, as well as ministry and leadership in these areas at seminary. On with me today is the Rev. Dr. Joseph Thompson, Assistant Professor of Race and Ethnicity Studies and Associate Dean of Multicultural Ministries at Virginia Theological Seminary in Alexandria, Virginia, as we continue our conversation, which took place in his office at the seminary there in Alexandria. It's Episcopal Priest Explains. I might not know much about much, but I'm here to talk about stuff. For when your friends ask you questions and you want to show off, the first five minutes likely aren't enough. Because I'm going to be wrong, and I'll ask someone smarter. So that first five minutes are more just like a starter. So you can stick around and hear from the experts, because there's more to know from Episcopal Priest Explains. It's Episcopal Priest Explains. Now, you've already heard plenty from me, so without further ado, let's get back to my great conversation with Dr. Joe Thompson. A consistent, you mentioned earlier, uh, study of language and literature, and a consistent conversation in our church is how language is used, both in our daily life and in liturgy, and how that affects the way we relate to one another and to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what role do you see language playing in multicultural ministries in the church of today and the church of the future? Language, uh, as you are saying here, is so incredibly important and it reveals um, so much mm. um, about our perspective, um, about, you know, how we see the world Um it reveals a lot about our sense of theology and you know who God is and what God is up to, mm-hmm. and so um, I think it, it is it's just incredibly important to be very intentional about the language that we use and um, to you know and I, I'm not saying that um, people need to always be on sort of, you know, pins and needles and everything that they say. Right. But um, I think to the extent that we can, we can be more aware about the kind of rhetorical choices that we're making as mm-hmm. we go about the work that we do, um, whether that's in just the way that you, you know, you're talking to people just in kind of informal interaction, whether it's the kind of language that you're using when you're preaching a sermon, whether mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, the the sort of uh, choices you make in liturgical language, uh, just being just being clear and intentional about the fact that those are choices right. and that uh, in a a world that, um, you know, where, where there is this dance between the kind of traditional and conventional and also uh opening up into new vistas and trying to be flexible and um, think about how a wide variety of people may be receiving the language that we're using. I think it's important to, um, to be, to be conscious, aware and intentional about, about those choices. Right. And, you know, for me, I was just, 
one of the things that shows the power of language, we acknowledge in our scripture that language is powerful, mm-hmm. uh, that words matter, uh, and the, the words that are used matter. And, you know, the, God said, let there be light, mm-hmm. and there was light. Um, you know, we can theologically discuss where we are on, did God actually say that? Does mm-hmm. God actually need to speak <laughs> into the nothingness of creation to do that? But I think whether that's a, a language choice of Moses and the writers of the first uh, books of the Bible, or, you know, however we view that, it acknowledges the power of the spoken word. Absolutely. Uh, and acknowledges that that words have meaning, that they have a lasting effect um, on not just the people we're speaking to here and now, but words have the power to to affect all of creation. Right. Uh, and when we speak harm to one another, we aren't just speaking harm to an individual. We aren't just being flippant. Right. Um, we are being careless with our stewardship of creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the. Anyway, I'll move yeah, on. No, <laughs> words words shape us, and and we are shaped yeah. by words. Um, and so and and just like we are shaped by ideas and concepts, mm-hmm. I mean, they're all intertwined. Um, and so, as we were talking before about the the idea, the con- the concept of race itself, right. it's something that um, that like we step into it. We're born into a certain system, and it, we are shaped by all the words and ideas mm-hmm. and concepts around that that come to us. But then, at a certain point, <clears throat> the way that we use those words and use those ideas and concepts and the actions that we take in relationship to those. Um, we begin to influence and to shape what's around us. Right. And uh, so there is this kind of this ongoing cycle. Um, and we can, we can just sort of allow ourselves to be caught up in some kind of flow that we don't try to ever influence and we just sort of unthinkingly go along with, or we can try to um, affect that in ways that are uh, more conscious conscious and, yeah. more loving more yeah exactly you know, I, it from from the time we're little I, you know I, at least in my context the sticks and stones <clears throat> may break my bones but words can never hurt me mm-hmm. we say that and we know when we're children that that's a lie yeah, yeah. um we say it out of defensiveness because words you know a, a bone heals yeah um yeah. like you just mentioned words that are that become part of our fabric of our society and build and build. And if we just continue those, they just continue to hurt and to hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, And only in acknowledging those words, can we find the healing that comes so easily with a broken bone? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we, you have to acknowledge a broken bone. You have to set it and it hurts like heck. Yeah. Uh, And, and the same is true with words that have broken the fabric of our society um, Mm -hmm. or been used to prop up the falseness of this idea of race being separate species and um, that how it was used starting um, centuries ago now and what that's effect is on, on our lives today in mm-hmm. terms of the prison industrial complex, in terms of 
our history with slavery and and how we view one another uh and and speak to one another absolutely uh, absolutely in looking at your the programming here at vts uh what sort of requirements are there in the different programs uh, at BTS in the areas of multicultural studies or race and ethnicity? They, the two big requirements for seminarians <clears throat> at VTS related to my area are one, the introduction to intercultural competency that all incoming uh, seminarians have to take. And also all new faculty members, new staff members have to take, mm -hmm. as well as uh, staff members and faculty members, if if we stay for a while, have to re-up and do it, you know, every, uh, I think it's three to four years. Okay. Um, and it is, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is a basic introduction to the concept mm -hmm. of intercultural competency and anti-racism, which in, in my book, you can't talk about one without the other when mm -hmm. you're talking about the United States of America. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we dive into that. Um, and I can, I can say, I can say more detail about it if you would like for me to, but uh, that's, that's one requirement. And then the other thing is a major program that we do here every year, the MLK uh, commemoration mm -hmm. uh, that we do here in April uh, to, to connect with um the date that he was killed. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we have, we have, you know, major pro programming around that, <clears throat> excuse me, that all um, uh, seminarians and faculty um, are required to participate in. But beyond that, um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I sort of caucus with the practical theology faculty. Okay. And um, we have a, we have a, an amazing faculty period uh, the practical theology um, faculty is no exception. And I would say that um, there are any number of ways that ideas about intercultural competency, about anti-racism are being reinforced in, certainly in many of those uh, practical theology classes, um, as well as other classes in the curriculum. But that's the one that I'm sort of most familiar with. And it's the one that, you know, my class, for example, the one that I mentioned before is a part of that. Okay. Um, um, it has that designation. Um, so, you know, and, and all of the colleagues in practical theology are, are very committed uh, to ensuring that whatever, whatever it is that they're teaching uh, students approach that with uh, a particular lens around cultural competency. For okay. example, the, there's a course on pastoral care that's called pastoral care across cultures mm. uh, that my colleague, um, uh, Reverend Dr. Altagracia Perez Ballard uh, teaches. And um, I don't believe it's a requirement, but um, because actually in practical theology, the way we have, have it set up, there's not a lot of, specific courses that are required, mm -hmm. but there's sort of these distributed electives and there's a right. lot of choice, but, um, but there's, but there's, you know, a lot of content, you know, in, in our courses that uh, kind meet of this, this woven need, in through you know, the structure of the curriculum. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. So now, Joe, what have you seen in the community here at VTS over the last few years as we've seen social tensions increased and divisions expanded among the backdrop of violent political speech and sometimes the celebration of racial violence and really by some, many in the public sphere celebrating that racial violence. And what role do you see the church taking in this present time? I have seen here at VTS uh, in my time really a, an increased awareness of the need to be proactive and um, to um, really take a stand Mm-hmm. Um, on the issues. Um, and I think, I can't remember whether we were talking about this while we were recording or before, <laughs> but um, you, you, when you were talking about your time here and, and you know, the changes that you've seen uh, in VTS since you first came up to now, which has been about 10 years. Um and I would I would say that that's a big change that, that I have seen that uh, because of everything that's going on in society that people realize that you know this is no longer an option to kind of sit on the sidelines or to right. stick your head in the sand and not pay attention. Uh, uh, you know, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and the the particular uh, tragedies that um, sparked it, right have made it very clear that this is not going away and um, it's an important part of people's formation, their uh, theological formation, their formation for ministry to be um, growing um, in their relationship to this kind of, you know, racial justice and social justice uh, work. And, um, there was a there was a second part to your question, which was uh, uh, what role do you see me. the church taking in the present time? Was the second part? So I think mm. you kind of touched on that a bit, uh, the the seminary part. But yeah, yeah, I I think um, as I was saying uh, earlier about the work of of Bishop Curry and mm-hmm. um, you know really bearing witness to the fact that the church needs to voice, you know, its opposition to the racism Mm -hmm. and the white supremacy that is kind of resurgent, not kind of is resurgent. Um, You know, I think that's a, that's a huge role uh, for the, the church to take and um, a very important one for the church to, to be involved in and, and, you know, the work that I do here with seminarians is to, again, try to help equip them uh, to do that. And and I say that, uh, I, you know, it's not like folks are a blank slate when they get here. Right. You know, um, so I don't I don't want to make it sound like I think, oh, yeah, they come and they have no no idea <laughs> about any of this and <laughs> yeah. because they do. Uh, but but it's giving the space where they can really dig in and go deeper into these questions um and into this kind of work in a in an environment where the people around them are also digging into it and exactly and trying to be as open as possible because 
we all have an idea coming in and sometimes it's an idea that we have to fight with you know we yeah. wrestle with our our preconceived notion of of what we've grown up with or what we've mm -hmm. believed uh, up until this point and so to have that safe environment to to really address it mm -hmm. and and say okay how do i go into the world back into my context and right. and for some that's back into somewhere where they can just <laughs> be fully um mar marching and 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 all these things and for some it's the way the language they use in a sermon mm -hmm. uh to be inclusive or to acknowledge wrongs or the the way they talk to people at coffee hour and and those quiet moments to try to pull people out of those the spaces they've they've lived their whole lives and, mm -hmm. and to go out and then create safe environments to have mm -hmm. the conversations and continued work um and, and I thank you for that work because uh, mm -hmm. I know that when when I was here, I'm uh, I'm blanking on on her name. Who was the the chair of the multicultural ministries? Danielle McRae. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, Danielle McRae, who was also an associate professor of uh, homiletics mm -hmm. um, and an excellent preacher. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, so I, I took that with me those, those things that I brought, and and so to have it continue and and we we build and recognize and build on those who have come before us yes uh yes. and and i think that's another important thing to recognize is the conversations don't stop they just continue to grow and grow right uh, and and the best we can do is be good stewards of that conversation and moving it forward exactly and being committed mm -hmm. to it um and uh you know not putting our heads in the sand right and continuing to be bold if if that's what we need to be doing right uh, right and being um as dr kendy would say being anti-racist mm -hmm. not just being an anti-racist right, right. Um, now i mentioned dr kendy what are a few key resources mm -hmm. that you personally would suggest for people wanting to explore race ethnicity and multicultural ministry in the church or in the world you know what what resources do you find um very useful mm -hmm. um so i'm thinking in terms of of books primarily uh big surprise <laughs> as far as resources are concerned but um a few titles that come immediately to my mind uh would be uh the work of uh, Willie James Jennings, uh, his book, The Christian Imagination, uh, the work of uh, J. Cameron Carter, his book, Race, A Theological Account. Um, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm kind of naming things that are um, sort of more, you know, recent, but, you know, you can go back and look at uh, other sort of black theologians mm -hmm. going way back. Um, but uh, those are, those are a couple that I think of, I think of course uh, of uh, the Episcopal church's own uh, Kelly Brown Douglas and um, uh, her book, stand your ground, mm -hmm. um, which is an incredibly important work. Um, there's a, a great work called The Death of Race by Brian Bantam. Um, and I can't remember exactly what the 
the subtitle is something like building um a new christianity okay. something like that in a in a um it's it, i'm looking at my bookshelf <laughs> to see if i can see it real quick because uh, because the 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 subtitle is very uh helpful and revealing but i can't remember quite what it is well but. i'll try to include all of these in the uh uh, and a link to them in the uh, oh, that's in the great. description for the episodes. So, that's great. Um, I, I'm I'm sitting here taking notes of the author so that I can ask you for the the titles again, and, and we can include that when I release. So excellent. So, so if you're listening, go click on it now. <laughs> great. <clears throat> um, yeah. So there, and, and it's as you mentioned, kind of there's you can go back. There's tons of recent work. You can continue to go back and. Um, it's an ever building because this is active work. Right. You know, it's not. You know, we're not research. It, it's not research that only looks five hundred years. It it looks at five hundred years and says this is where we are today, mm-hmm. and this is what we can do tomorrow. Right. Um, and right. And so any of these, um, you know, and and people can find their starting points for getting into. Um, for learning more about this ministry and, and this life. Absolutely. Um, find your starting point. I guess that's what I would say to anybody listening is find your starting point, mm-hmm. whether it's um, if you know, if you're big into academic research and you find your way into one of the ones we're going to link in here, or you're, you, you know, uh, you want to read anti-racist baby, the kid's book by mm-hmm. Ibram X. Kendi. <laughs> like, you know, there, there, there's so many different starting points that you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and don't stop yourself from doing the work. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, that's a great way of, of putting it. Um, and it actually, it, you're making me think of some other suggestions of books, uh, because the books that I, uh, named are, are, you know, they're, they're academic mm-hmm. books and, um, not everybody is going to take to that kind of reading, <laughs> but some other suggestions. Um, there's a great uh, textbook uh, that's called um, Race in America. Um, and uh, the authors are um, Mustafa Emmerbayer and um, Matthew Desmond, I believe are their names. Um, but it's a, it's a, it's their sociologists and so it's a kind of sociological take on the the realities of race mm-hmm. in the United States of America from a broad perspective with a lot of good information and data and you know they kind of break down <clears throat> each chapter looks at different sectors of society so one chapter might look at economic inequality another one might look at education another mm-hmm. one might look at the law you know and and so it's a it's very helpful in that way. Another uh, book that is, uh, I don't know if it would quite qualify as a textbook, but it's called, and again, I'm looking at my bookshelf, it's called um, Cultural Psychology and Christian Diversity. Um, and I can't remember the author's names, but it's, a, it's, a, it's an anthology of different works that um, look at, you know, um, the insights of cultural psychology oftentimes around race and ethnicity and uh, how that plays into a Christian understanding of diversity. Mm-hmm. So that could be um, 
also a helpful text for people. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is now that we've talked about about those? What's one thing that you think everyone in the Episcopal Church and and really everyone, whether they're in the church or not, can and ought to know in order to better understand the contexts that we're talking about, the context and importance of studying race and ethnicity uh, in our church and in our world. Mm-hmm. I would say that this is a long-term uh, journey. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to what you were commenting on a few moments ago, uh, that we did not get where we are as a society overnight Mm -hmm. and for us to imagine and 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 uh discern new ways different ways of uh kind of holding our society together than relying on the dehumanizing um concepts of race and that we that we have um uh, and I would add to that the, the the ways that we think about, oftentimes the ways that we think about gender or class or sexuality. Right. Um, that that's going to be a that is a it's a it's an ongoing process. It's a long term journey. And as we were saying before, it's about finding your starting point, uh, kind of in that journey, mm-hmm. both in terms of the the starting point. W- that you were given the one that you were sort of born into. Right. The, uh, and then what are you going to do with that? Um, and where are you going to go with that? I think um, that's an incredibly important question that we all have to wrestle with. Thank you. So we've talked about a lot. Yes. But lastly, is there, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to share with us uh, while we're, while we're here today in, in your office here at the seminary? Well, um, I will say that um, even as I look around and white supremacy is resurgent and there are a lot of worrying events Mm -hmm. that um, are happening um, all around us. I do also uh, see, you know, an incredible opportunity um, for um, us as a human family Mm -hmm. to um, do a new thing. And, um, you know, I, you know, I I don't know what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. I, um, can only play sort of my little role in that, but, um, it is at this point, a great privilege for me to be a part of the formation of seminarians, uh, who are then going to leave this place and go out, uh, you know, into the world. And we, we are part of the world. I don't actually like that, that whole sort of idea of like, you know, you're here and then you got into, like, you're a part of the world. Yeah, <laughs> We're all part, part of the of world. <laughs> VCS is a part of the world. Yeah. You know, it can be a bit of a bubble. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, any, I think any kind of institution of higher education can be a bit of a bubble. But, um, you know, 
but nevertheless, you know, students are here for a season and then mm-hmm. they leave and uh, they go and they and they do their thing. And um, I'm I'm very excited when I see, um, particularly the uh, seminarians of color with whom I work, because that's mm-hmm. a that's another big part of my job um, is uh, just being here as a resource for seminarians of color and for mm-hmm. sem- the seminarians of color union that we have here on campus. Um, and I'm very excited by the people who are here and that I get to work with and the ways that um, the gifts, the um, the commitment, the vision that I see uh, in our seminarians uh, and what they're going to do with that as they go into their next stages of ministry. Um, mm-hmm. That excites me. Um, and I think that they are, I, I look to see great things um, as they enter into this, you know, this very unstable time, but a time where, you know, new things can happen and, and God can sort of reveal things to us about where we've been, where we are now, and and where we might need to go. So uh, I think that's my final thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you for all of that and all the work you do. Uh, And thank you so much, Joe, for joining me today as we chat, and and blessings as you continue in this wonderful ministry and work here at Virginia Theological Seminary. It was my pleasure uh, to be invited. I was delighted to do it. And thank you, Kyle, for this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this conversation with Joseph Thompson on Multicultural Ministries and Studies in the Episcopal Church and what his ministry is like in this context. I hope you'll come back for more. Don't forget to follow Episcopal Priest Explains wherever you listen to podcasts or bookmark the show website. You can join the conversation on the official Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, or even help build the conversation out on our Discord channel. I'm Kyle Martindale, and as always, all are welcome at Episcopal Priest Explains.